I don't believe that Matt Canada will be back. I believe that there will be significant change in the coming offseason. But I also believe that the 2022 season will have been, I'm about to say it, a success. Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. The Steelers will take on the Browns Sunday at 1.02 p.m. at Akershire Stadium. By every account, they've got something in the range of about a 30% chance of making the playoffs. They need two other things to occur in addition to beating Cleveland. And the fact that we are discussing this in week 18 is amazing. It's amazing and nothing short of that. Because this team was two and six, this team was three and seven, this team did get its brains beaten out in Buffalo and in Philadelphia. Because this team did plummet to the bottom of pretty much every individual facet ranking along the way before rising up out of some of those. And while I am generally speaking not a proponent of patting someone on the back for digging out of self-dug holes, this one always felt kind of inevitable. You know, this hole, this particular hole. Given how very young this offense was going to be, given the very strong likelihood from the moment that Kenny Pickett was drafted that A, he wasn't going to start the season at quarterback, and B, that he was going to be the quarterback at some point during the season, I'm pretty sure that we all felt strongly about those two things. Whether we agreed with them or not, we saw them as the most likely scenarios. Mitch Trubisky was going to start the season out. Kenny was going to take his job at some point. That is not, that in and of itself is not a scenario that's conducive to getting off to some awesome start. It just isn't. Especially not when you add into it an entirely new offensive line, second year running back, young wide receivers, second-year tight end, and then, oh, by the way, nobody ever mentions this anymore, but it did happen, T.J. Watt missing almost all of the first half of the season. So you can take two and six and three and seven, however it is that you'd want to break that down, and compartmentalize it and say there were real things that fed into that. But what's happened since then? That's a little different. What can you expect at Point Park University in downtown Pittsburgh? Respect, rigor, relevance. That's the Point Park pledge. You'll be treated with respect while being challenged and supported academically to graduate with career-ready, relevant skills. Visit pointpark.edu to learn more. Look, it's also reasonable to acknowledge and fair to acknowledge because you want to get an accurate picture across the board, that the schedule got a lot lighter in the second half. You didn't see the Falcons and the Panthers and so forth in the first half. But I'll counter that 
by saying that in that first half, in that two and six start, you had some pretty dumpy losses. You know, the Jets won, the Patriots won. I thought really stunk. And a lot of what happened in those couple of losses and maybe another loss or two in there was directly attributable to everything that I've been talking about here. If this Steelers team, the one we're watching right now, the one we've watched for the past month and a half, were to go back in time and face those Jets, those Patriots, and a couple other teams along the way, yeah, you see where I'm going here? You know why? Because this team has gotten better. You've heard nothing from me more often over the course of really this past calendar year than that these Steelers need to just get better, whether they were wins or losses, whether they were devastating or uplifting or last minute or whatever it was, they needed to get better. They needed to get better collectively. That's nice, always, including the results. But they really needed to get better individually or at the positions that rely on each other. They needed to become more of a cohesive get betterness, for lack of a better way to put it. And they aren't there yet. I'm not deluding myself. I would hope no one else is when they watch this team right now and think, yep, that's that's pretty much it. That's a finished product. Or even that they're a player or two away or a draft pick or two away. They're not. They're not. There's work ahead. But the group that's right in front of us that was staring at two and six and had everyone around them talking about high draft picks, possibly even tanking and whatever else, that group has gotten better. Those individuals have gotten better with very, very few exceptions. And I'm talking about the Devin Bushes and so forth. For the most part, for the overwhelming majority of this roster, the players have gotten better. To me, within the broader scenario of this team just having watched its 20-year franchise quarterback walk away and watching this offensive line basically get reduced to rubble last year and then rebuilt mostly through free agency over the past offseason, but having to start from nothing in terms of gelling, they got better. They all got better. This offense got better. This offense ended up finding an identity for crying out loud. That alone is something no one could have anticipated at any point. But now when the Steelers come into a stadium or now when they're facing the Browns this weekend and Kevin Stefanski and everyone else is talking about one thing, which is that we've got to stop the run. That would have elicited legitimate and worthwhile laughter as recently as a month and a half ago. But look at the numbers. Look at the performance. Oh, and by the way, look at some of the defenses the Steelers have done that to. Look at the diversity of the running game. Look at the fact that it's not just Najee Harris, but that it's Jalen Warren and that it's the entire offensive line, the tight ends, and yeah, the wide receivers. By the way, one of the things I really appreciated about watching the Baltimore game a second time on film The wide receivers blocking with gusto, Deontay Johnson and George Pickens in particular. They have an identity, and they've gotten better, 
And that's probably more than you could have hoped for in 2022. When we come back, J1Q. It's time for just one question, and that's brought to you always on this program by the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbin, Kelly, and George, LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need assistance with workers' comp and medical malpractice claims. The attorneys at LGKG have been designated super lawyers, capital S, capital L, for the past 15 years. And yes, that is a real thing. The super lawyer designation is reserved for the top 5% of all attorneys in Pennsylvania. Learn more about them at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Today's J1Q comes from Damien who asks, DK, do they still draft an inside linebacker high or do they sign a bigger name in free agency or do they roll with Miles Jack and Mike Robinson into next year? Drafting an offensive tackle in the first round is a crapshoot historically. It's one of the most volatile positions in terms of success in relation to all positions taken in the first round over the years. Yeah, that last part I don't care about. Uh, If you don't trust your scouts, your evaluators, and for that matter, everybody on up to your GM and in this case, your head coach, to be able to make an evaluation on any position in the first round then they really shouldn't be doing it. And I know, yes, I'm one of those people who says I never want to see them draft a corner because I picture Artie Burns. But I also was one of those people who said I never wanted to see them draft another edge rusher after Jarvis Jones, and all they did was end up with T.J. Watt. So you need to be able to draft in the first round regardless of position. And you also need to not favor positions at which you think you're better at evaluating than others are, i.e. wide receivers. You can't just say, well, look, we're really, really good at nailing wide receivers, so we're just going to take wide receivers in the top two rounds. No, you just need to be good at your jobs. Now, that said, I am not in favor of taking an inside linebacker in the first round, at least not in any sort of... uh, position-forcing way, and you know what I mean by that, where where you just make up your mind that that's what you're going to get, kind of the way they did with running back and, to a lesser extent, quarterback this past draft. The principal reason for that, I believe, is that you're much better off going into free agency to get that player. They're not super expensive, at least not overpriced, which, by the way, they are at offensive tackle. And also, realistically here, if you're looking at the relative age of the defensive side of the football for the Steelers, you're going to need somebody who can come in and call signals and who can really take charge. You know what I mean? Uh, That's not going to be something that you can trust to a youngster unless they are of some extraordinary pedigree the way Ryan Shazier was. Uh, Ryan could just walk right onto the field at St. Vincent College and take over a defense. 
He just had that makeup to him. In addition to the athleticism and everything else, I hope everyone remembers that a big part of what made him so special on the field was that he was in charge and mature beyond his years. That is rare air to find in an NFL draft and then to have that player just out there performing that way the following season. So my feeling is that I would go hard at inside linebacker in free agency. I would still look at left tackle in the draft. And if that left tackle doesn't work out, you can move that individual to some other space on the line. It's not going to be a wasted pick unless they're a total injury bust or something like that. So I wouldn't worry about that sort of thing either. But let's not pretend there isn't another decision to be made on that same area. And that's Miles Jack himself. He's going up to 11 million next year. He might not play again this weekend, although he sounded at least a little bit guardedly optimistic about the groin issue yesterday. He also said that it kind of comes and goes in practice, uh, that it's not a real linear recovery. And he's right based on what everybody's ever said about groin issues. But if he misses that game, he's going to have missed a pretty significant amount of football or at least not have been the best version of himself because of injuries over the second half of this season. And that's always going to scare management, whether it's fair or not, whether it's lousy luck or not. And he's supposed to go up to $11 million next year. Now, maybe that can be redone. Maybe that's something that he'd have different thoughts about if he wants to stay in Pittsburgh. The Steelers could look at it differently. The Steelers could kind of protect against the possibility that he'll be hurt next year. But he's not the slam dunk that he might appear to be. And never mind getting into Robert Spillane and Devin Bush and everything else here. It's an unsettled position. But as we saw with the O-line this past summer, the safest way to attack an unsettled position is to just go and spend a bunch of money in free agency, and the Steelers have that capability in the coming offseason. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers today and all week long. We'll be back with another one of these Monday. 